religious freedom is one of the cornerstones that makes us the American miracle. That's the encouraging perspective from Attorney General Jason Miares, who joins us today to continue the conversation on what he's doing to protect family, freedom, and safety on the streets in Virginia. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our special guest, Attorney General Jason Miares. Well, before we begin today's episode, I just want to remind listeners that this is the last of a two-part series featuring a conversation with Virginia Attorney General Jason Miares on important policies he's supporting to protect families and freedoms in our state. We're going to pick up today with his concluding thoughts on reducing crime in the streets and protecting our religious freedoms. Well, we also know that a lot of Virginians are also concerned kind of in a related way to just crime um, happening in our streets. I know with us and with an office in Richmond, we've seen that. Um, tell us about some of the things you're doing on that issue, because, you know, a lot of times this gets kind of weirdly politicized. We saw this before the midterms. Um, we see a lot of people on the left really not supporting police, even talking about defending them. But you've taken a different roadmap with this. Tell us what you're doing to address this issue. Well, you know, the governor and I both uh, realized once we came in and we started meeting with law enforcement around the state, just how demoralized they had been. Uh, I say it's the hardest job in America today. I go to work, I put on a coat and tie, they go to work, they have to put on a bulletproof vest in the morning. Uh, there's not a job like it in America. And they were demoralized. I had one deputy sheriff tell me, you know, it's it's uh, after we got inaugurated, he said, it's great to see a light at the end of the tunnel and not have it be an oncoming train. Um, and so there was a lot of policies. I, I, I love to say one of the worst things, problems we have in government is people assume just because they have good intentions will guarantee good results. And there was a lot of measures that were passed all under the kind of umbrella of, quote, social justice uh, that maybe it was well-intentioned. But the reality is it has made it so hard for police to do their jobs. And they say the only thing you learn from history is you don't learn from history. A lot of these so-called new reforms were all tried in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, uh, changing the presumption on bond, making it easier for those arrested to get right back on the street, trying to end mandatory minimums, uh, early release of violent offenders. And just like then, they saw a crime explosion. We're seeing the same. And so, you know, the one thing I try to stress is it should not be the law abiding that's looking over their shoulder in fear. It should be the law breaking. And I remember meeting with a, uh, a small business owner who'd had um, his shop damaged during some of the rioting in Richmond uh, in 2020. I said, you know, how's it going? Are you getting your customers back? And he said, you know, it's really easy to wash away graffiti. It is really hard to wash away fear. And so that's one thing that breaks my heart. Nobody in Virginia should be looking over their shoulder in fear. So we we launched with the governor uh, Operation Ceasefire. He's, he's also launched Operation The Bold Blue Line to try to recruit new law enforcement because we're finding that some of these uh, 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 police departments, 25, 30, 40% vacancies. Uh, you can't have good community policing where uh, citizens trust their officers because they know them and they're really engaged in their community when you're having that level of vacancy. So Governor Youngkin is putting a record amount of resources into hiring law enforcement and pay increases. We've hired Operation Ceasefire. We looked at the 12 uh, most violent areas in Virginia we are hiring special designated prosecutors to go after those repeat violent offenders using firearms. 
Uh, it has been the single most proven way to lower violent crime is you go after those repeat violent offenders and you get them off, get them off your streets. Because while there is truth that poverty can produce crime, there is as much if not more data that shows crime produces poverty. That two-thirds of all new jobs created in America today are created by small business owners. Small business owners do not loot, choose to expand or locate in high-crime areas. And so we want businesses to thrive. We want them to hire. We realize we talk to so many small business owners. They will not open, will not even consider opening if they consider it a high-crime area. And so we want Virginians not looking over their shoulder in fear. That's one of our big goals because I think that's important for communities and for families to thrive. And that's mainly through supporting the police and also uh, dealing with the recidivism issue. Is that part well, of Well, you know, the recidivism issue, uh, you know, I have visited several prisons and got to talk to inmates. And, and sometimes they say I'm the first time they've ever seen a, uh, any elected official come to see them. And I've asked them, and, and what the work that groups like Prison Fellowship do is amazing the gospel and, and bringing the concept of grace. A lot of these inmates have, have they come from such brokenness as far as broken homes. And to hear the idea that they have a heavenly father that loves them is revolutionary. And it has been amazing to meet with these men that are going through this program and talk to them, hear what they're saying. We, we provide a lot of resource. Believe it or not, in Virginia, we have one of the lower recidivism rates in the country mm. because I do think we provide a lot of resources. And I had a chance to address on the peninsula a, a, a group of women inmates that were graduating from a program pledging to be uh, drug-free and reform themselves. And I said, the beauty about America is this. It doesn't matter where you came from. The next chapter isn't written because this country is truly that land of boundless opportunity. And so the question isn't how your story started. The question is how are you going to allow your story to be written? Mm-hmm. And how are those final pages going to be written? I am much more interested in your ending than where you came from. So I think you could have two truths at the same time. You could believe in the rule of law. You could support law enforcement. You could believe that if you've committed a crime, you absolutely need to have proper punishment. But I also believe you could put resources in our prison system to have practice, because my faith is a faith of redemption, to give those individuals a second chance. Because our goal is we never have to see them in the, um, in the prison system again. Uh, our goal is that they live independent, productive, sustaining lives. Obviously, faith is such a huge part of that. And um, I'm so proud of the work so many different ministries do in our prison systems to reach out passionately for those inmates. It's a huge, huge part as we, we tackle violent crime. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on the issue of religious freedom. You know, our listeners are very concerned about that. And so I was really excited to learn what you had done with the Coach Kennedy case. You know, the the coach that was praying at the 50-yard line after the games uh, in Texas and had his, his case get all the way to the Supreme Court. And he won that case, but you had, uh, through your team, put in a friend of the court brief to the U.S. Supreme Court. And also, you had been part of an op-ed um, supporting his First Amendment rights. So tell us why you cared so much about this case and how you think it might help other Virginian teachers. Well, I mean, I think religious freedom is one of those corner pillarstones of what makes us the American miracle. And I, and 
I've always been passionate about that issue. I remember my mother sharing me stories in Cuba. You know, a communism is in is a state atheism, and they review religion as the opiate of the masses. And so she has memories of going to church in Cuba, having to hear communist propaganda being shouted out through the walls. Um, and the idea that if you're an identified Christian, as we know, if you look at any communist state, Christians are not popular with the government. And so that always impress upon me that that is one of the most important, precious liberties we have is the ability of worship God according to your conscience, uh, the, your church. It can't be dictated to by the state. And so, um, um, you know, Coach, Coach Joe, as they say, Coach Kennedy, all he was doing was praying for kids. He was going out at the 50-yard line by himself, and he was just praying for the school and praying for those kids. And some of the kids just went up to Coach Joe and say, Coach, could we join you? And he said, sure. Yeah, so, I mean, Coach Kennedy wasn't trying to pressure anyone. He wasn't asking anybody to even join him. These kids saw that he was praying in the 50-yard line after the games, and they said, hey, can we join you? And the idea that that somehow violates the First Amendment, first of all, at the base, it's a freedom of speech. He had a right to do anything in the 50-yard line except pray. And so I joined with with uh, 27 other states uh, to side with Coach Joe. I was proud to do that. And then, you know, one of the personal, just as a fan, Daryl Green remains one of my favorite um, football players of all time, a Hall of Fame cornerback with, with the Washington Redskins. And um, we, we penned the joint op-ed together talking about Coach Joe and how, you know, this is the land of the free. Let's make sure we keep it that way. And part of that freedom means religious liberty. And so I was proud for Virginia, which is the birthplace of the Virginia Statue of Religious Freedom, as we know, uh, to stand with Coach Joe and his, um, his mission for religious freedom. And I'm very grateful for the United States Supreme Court ruling. And how do you expect this ruling to, to help Virginia teachers? You know, we, we've seen what's happening with Tanner Cross and some of the others. Um, what, what would your encouragement be to teachers in the classroom in light of that court case? Well, I mean, I think it's clear from the Coach Kennedy case that um, as, as teachers, you don't have to uh, completely check your faith at the door. Um, that's part of who you are. And, um, you know, in this case, when Coach Kennedy was voluntarily at a sporting event after the game leading a prayer, uh, it clearly showed, if you read the Coach Kennedy opinion, that this court does value religious freedom. And I think that's important for teachers to understand that. So maybe um, they can have their personal Bible during break or something. Well, yeah, I desk. mean, if, if you're on break and you read your personal Bible, I mean, it is amazing the teachers that have shared with me how much they have had to hide any aspect. I had one teacher tell me she was afraid to even so much as wear a gold cross in class. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this is a Supreme Court that takes... Uh, religious freedom seriously and and I think that's an important it's the only way to survive in a in a in a pluralistic society is to recognize listen people are going to have different opinions that's okay recognize that someone has a right to their own opinion and it doesn't mean that the right to their own opinion mean they agree with your opinion it means we can recognize that people the beauty of religious freedom is people are going to have vastly different opinions and, and how in the manner they want to worship, but we're going to respect that. And I think that's a healthy in a, in a society like ours. Well, that kind of leads into my last question today. What would your final encouragement be to listeners 
to the ones feeling disheartened just by what they see out there with the cancel culture and efforts to shut down the voices of religious Americans or just those perceived to have unpopular viewpoints? Well, I think, first of all, as a, as a person of faith, we are not to, if there's one common refrain, particularly in the Old Testament, that God is is teaching the people of Israel is do not fear. And so we as people of faith should never be fearful. Uh, I think that is an easy thing for people of faith to, to have. Um, I, I tell people, listen, we know where our, our eternal security lies, and so we shouldn't be fearful. Uh, I think as well, um, America tends to always go through these kind of big, big discussions. And there's a great line from Winston Churchill that says, Americans always do the right thing after they've exhausted all of their options. We tend to get it right. Uh, we may You're have to work through then. it. Yes, I am an optimist. But I also know that as I sit here, there's millions of people on the planet that would do everything in their power to be right here, to be an American. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing charge. So we've been given a great gift. And um, I have I have great, great uh, confidence in the, in the American people. We are at our core a decent and noble country. I think we're at a very unique moment in our history where we were, for the first time, we had kind of a 30-year holiday from the world. There was no other country that could rival us. And I think it's some healthy ways, and I'm not, a, I'm not necessarily a big fan of, I'm not a fan of China, period, but if there's one maybe silver lining in the fact that that is now not a unipolar world but a bipolar world, is my hope is that Americans can recognize, you know what, my fellow Americans, they're not the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's a country that so much pra- jails the Uyghurs and subjects Hong Kong. Where people die in an apartment People fire. die and Christians are being jailed. And so uh, I think that recognition of, there, we, have, we have problems we're struggling with as a country, but our problems somewhat pale compared to the rest of the world. And I think that should give all of us a sense of purpose. It should give us a sense of purpose, not just from, a, from as, as believers uh, of what the gospel says, but also as Americans. What's our purpose moving forward? And I think it's still to remain that shining city on a hill. And I, I'll, I always love to point out, if you don't think we're unique, if you don't think we're a unique country, uh, go watch the opening ceremony of the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. 119 countries walk in. And there's only one country when they announce the United States delegation when we walk in. Only one out of 119. Which our delegation actually looks like the entire planet. Every race, every color, every creed. That image does more to destroy wokeism, that America somehow is this irredeemably broken country. It's not. Mm-hmm. Go to a naturalization ceremony. Go speak to those immigrants. They know this is indeed the last best hope on earth that Abraham Lincoln described. If that doesn't give you optimism, I don't know what will. Well, I appreciate you helping us in on that hopeful note. Thank you so much. No problem. And uh, thank you for what you're doing to thank protect you. families and defend our rights. Honored. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.